On Sunday mornings, we are going through the Gospel of Luke. And so because there is so much to learn, so many good lessons and reminders from the Gospel of Luke, we're going to use this Sunday just to review. So before we do, let's take time to pray. God, we thank you for an opportunity that we have on a Sunday morning to just pause out of our normal week, just to rest, to worship you, and to, to learn more about you. And God, so much about the Gospel of Luke is about your life, just the life of Jesus on earth and what we can learn and what we can put into practice. And so God, we pray that you would help us today Help us to learn, help us to grow, help us to stretch in any way that you would want us to. In your name we pray, amen. So looking back at the parable of the Good Samaritan, as we listen to stories about how Jesus healed the sick, how he healed the blind, how he ate with tax collectors, how he uh, treated women, how he treated sinners, how he forgave, how he was a blessing to those in need, how he fed the poor. It's very clear, the theme from the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus lived with others in mind. Jesus cared about people. He was helpful, he was thoughtful, he was compassionate, he was kind, he was loving. And if we are followers of Jesus, we want to walk and live as Jesus did. We study his words, his behavior, his life, and the Gospel of Luke so that we can imitate him, so that we can be more like him. And Jesus was hoping we would pay attention. He wants us to do more than study and learn. He wants us to put into practice. He wants us to listen and pay attention to his life. And so if we look back in Luke and we look back in some of these lessons that we've learned, especially from Luke 6. So if you want to turn in your Bible, I have it up on the screens as well. Luke chapter 6. Listen to some of the things that Jesus said. I haven't included every verse, but just as a summary from Luke chapter 6, it's so obvious He said, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those whom you respect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will be able to see and remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. 
For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Can you imagine being there when Jesus finishes the teaching and then hears him ask this question? Can you imagine being in the audience and just hearing this teaching and just think, oh, yeah, God, that was a good one. Oh, the do unto others, I'm gonna write that down. That was really good. Oh, what, what an inspiration. This has just been such a blessing to me. Good measure, stored up, shaken. That's, that's just so helpful. And then as Jesus walks around, he looks at you and he says, Andy, why do you call yourself a Christian and yet you don't do what I say? It's like, um, can, can you ask? So I, I like the first but I but it's a valid question right I mean Jesus asks why do you call me Lord Lord and do not do what I say the new living translation says it this way so why do you keep calling me Lord Lord when you don't do what I say why do you call yourself a Christian but fail to obey my words See, Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's speaking to disciples, people just like you and me. He doesn't expect the non-believer to follow him and trust him and do everything that he says. He doesn't expect the wicked to follow him, follow his teaching, obey his words. But he's talking to us. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to me. He says, Andy, why would you call yourself a Christian if you're not gonna do what I say. He obviously assumes that his followers will walk like Jesus walked, talk like Jesus talked, live like Jesus lived, and if they don't, he wants to know why not. It's a reasonable question. Why do you call yourself a follower of Jesus but you don't do what he says? Jesus wants to know, why aren't you following me? Why aren't you living like me? Why aren't you acting like me? It's a question that I've asked myself literally hundreds of times over the years. I imagine Jesus asking me like this, Andy, are you the man that I called you to be? Andy, are you being the husband that I called you to be? Andy, are you being the father that I called you to be? I've literally thought about that hundreds of times and over the years I would answer him like this, but, but, but God, this wife that you've given me, this. God, these, these kids that you've blessed me with. God, yesterday, the referees at the football game, where they just, God, you just cannot expect me to be on my best behavior in that kind of situation. God, these coworkers, God, my boss, and, and all the different excuses. Can you imagine all these conversations that I've had over the years? But God doesn't allow any excuses. You, you realize over the years, no excuse that I've ever come up with has ever been sufficient? God takes them all away, every one. He literally says to me, Andy, I have given you everything you need to do what I've called you to do. I have blessed you, I've encouraged you, I've strengthened you, I have loved you, I have forgiven you, I've extended my grace to you. You have everything you need to follow me. And if I don't, 
I don't have any excuse. He literally has taken all of my excuses away. He loves me. He strengthens me. He cares for me. He encourages me. He's blessed me. He's patient with me. And I gladly and willingly receive all of that from him. I love that God forgives me. It's so refreshing to know that he cares for me, that he has my best interest in mind, that he is faithful. And so he fills me up and then expects me to extend that to the people around me. And when I don't, he asks me why. Why aren't you extending the same patience and grace and forgiveness and love and kindness and help that I extend to you? Why are you holding it for yourself? It's an understandable question to ask, Andy, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? The Bible says he has given me all that I need to do what he has called me to do. Why isn't the love, why isn't the care, why isn't the patience, the grace, why isn't it extended to others? Financially, if God is blessing me, The idea is that I get to use that blessing to help someone else. The idea of emotionally, if God is comforting me through a situation, the idea is I get to use the comfort that I've received in the future to comfort others. If God has blessed me or gifted me with a gift or a talent or a skill, I get to use that skill, that gift, that talent to help and bless others, not just to take care of myself. I think of it this way, because I always think of God in heaven. I think God vertically fills me up with everything that I need and then horizontally wants me to pass that along to everyone else that I interact with. That's the way I picture it. I literally picture it in my mind. God, you are filling me up with your grace, your love, your strength, your encouragement and then you want me horizontally to share that with the people that I interact with. If I'm not, something's wrong. And I can't blame those around me or my situation. Remember, God's taken away all my excuses. I can't blame those around me or my situation for why I'm not following God's example and sharing with others, loving others, caring for others, patient with others. In the book of Jude, the last book in the Bible in the New Testament before Revelation, it would compare me to this. It it compares me if I'm not sharing It would compare me to a tree without fruit or a cloud without rain. That's the idea of me as a Christian if I'm not following God's word. And this isn't just a theme from Luke, it's a theme from the whole New Testament. If we look, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So the idea Paul is saying to the church, hey, God has forgiven you, I want you to forgive others. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So we realize God has loved me. The assumption is that I'm gonna use that love to love others. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So the idea is he gives me everything I need so that I can share it with others. Not that it would stop with me. The theme throughout the New Testament is that a follower of Jesus is to live with others in mind like Jesus did. We are to live with others in mind like Jesus did, but what gets in the way? There's a lot of things that get in the way. Today we're only gonna cover two things. Two things that get in the way from doing what God has asked us to do, from living with others in mind like Jesus did, and the one is expectations. 
expectations get in the way of me following what the example that Jesus gave. I turn my expectations away from the one who is able and put my expectations either onto myself or to those around me. I'll say that again. I take my expectations away from the one who's able and I turn those expectations either to myself or to the people around me. I expect myself or those around me to fill me up. And when they don't, I get disillusioned. I get disappointed. I get frustrated. See, I'm fine as long as others are loving and helpful and kind to me. If life is great and fair, I'm I'm okay. I can be a Christian. I can follow Jesus if life is great and fair and others are helpful and kind and loving. But if life isn't fair, if others aren't kind, if they're not treating me as I think that they should, I quickly take matters into my own hands. I get impatient. I get frustrated. And get this, I make excuses for my behavior. I use the situation. I use other people as an excuse for why I'm not able to follow Jesus. And yet, Jesus says, Andy, I'm going to give you everything you need to follow me. And yet I say, but Lord, I'm I'm not being loved or treated the way that that I think I should be. Others aren't meeting my expectations or I'm not even meeting my own expectations. See, sometimes it's hard to even be aware of expectations that we have on other people, especially in marriage. You think about in marriage, everyone has dreams and desires that we bring into marriage just naturally. Most of them are unspoken, some are even unconscious. But we bring those dreams and desires into a marriage and it's not wrong to have dreams and desires but to expect and even worse, to demand that our spouse meet all of our dreams and all of our desires. Our spouse who is just, by the way, just so we all remember, is human, just like you are. But we expect them somehow to meet all of our dreams and desires. It's unrealistic. So the challenge is, how can you live like Jesus when others aren't living up to your expectations? Because the reality is, others will disappoint you. See, often, I, I work a lot with, with couples, premarital and, and marital, and premarital couples in our church often seek God for help finding a mate. They pray, they're patient, they wait, they make a list, they ask God, help, help me find someone. Which are all good things. The problem is when they find someone, they turn their expectations and their reliance away from God who they were looking to to help them through this situation and they turn that reliance onto the person that they found. It's like, thanks God, thanks for helping me find this person and now that I have this person, all my expectations are with them. Now they're gonna fill me up. They're gonna love me. They're gonna take care of me. They're gonna be kind to me. They're gonna do everything that I need and my expectations are on them and not on the one who helped me. God never intended it that way. Sometimes I wonder, and couples wonder, why is my marriage in a rut? And I think of the verse in Luke 6, where it says, if the blind lead the blind, you'll both end up in a ditch. We cannot rely and have expectations for others to fill us up. John worded it like this. He said, since God loves us, we should love one another. 
And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. So there's a clue. It's, we've talked about this, since God loves us, we should love one another. So what's the clue? We know and we rely on the love that God has for us. How do we love one another? We rely on the love that God has for us. Listen to what David wrote in the Psalms. He says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Notice how David had his reliance on God for protection, for salvation, for love, for rest. You see, we have to remember, your mate may be perfect for you, but they're not perfect. You may have a best friend, you may have a soulmate, but they can never fill your heart or save you or fulfill your dreams like Jesus can, and it's not because they're bad people. It's just because they're human just like you and they're gonna struggle to live up to your expectations. The reality is we can't even live up to our own expectations. That's why Jesus warned us not to go around looking for specks in other people's eye because he realized we would struggle with the plank in our own. We struggle to live up up to our own expectations, let alone putting the expectations that we have on others. One of the things that gets in the way of me following Jesus is my own expectations. The other is my immaturity. My immaturity. If I'm honest, what keeps me from following Jesus is that I'm immature. Immature people are selfish and live with themselves in mind. Jesus lived with others' best interest in mind. When we're immature, think of a two-year-old. Think of the terrible twos. Those young, young parents in here, you won't, won't have to think too hard. Think of the pouting, the screaming, the fighting. Think of the impatience, the tantrums, the frustration when they don't get what they want, when they don't get their way. Think of a two-year-old. They want whatever they see. They definitely want to be independent. They don't want anyone telling them what they can and cannot do. Sound familiar? Some of us haven't grown up too much. And then the two-year-olds grow up, but they don't naturally mature. See, none of us naturally mature. We naturally age, but maturity is optional. (laughs) So we all grow up, we all get older, but we don't all grow up and mature. Maturity is optional. See, we have to be intentional if we wanna mature. We just don't naturally mature and become mature followers of God who give others the benefit of the doubt when we don't get what we want. We don't just naturally forgive and extend grace when things don't go our way. We aren't naturally just mature followers who have an eternal perspective and trust God when things don't happen in our timeline. So we don't naturally become mature. We must choose to become mature followers who live with others in mind, believing that God is gonna take care of us. See, you first have to have a belief that God is good and he's gonna take care of you if you're gonna be able to live with other people's best interest in mind. That's what it takes to be mature. We have to be intentional. It won't just happen. See, the apostle Paul tells the church in Rome, don't be selfish, always thinking about how to gratify your sin nature, but follow Jesus and look like him. See, the assumption that Paul has is we're gonna be selfish. We're gonna look to satisfy ourselves, but Paul is saying, follow Jesus and look like him. He tells another church in Ephesus, live a life of love just as Jesus loved and gave himself up for us. 
He was selfless. He tells another church in Galatia, Jesus Christ set us free from sin and selfishness so that we can serve others. See, he set us free so that we can follow him. He's taken away all of our excuses so that we can serve others. In chapter four of James, it says this, fights and quarrels happen because we're selfish and we don't get what we want. Does that sound familiar? We fight and quarrel because we're selfish and we don't get what we want. Our challenge is to follow Jesus despite our circumstances, despite the fact that we don't get what we want all the time, despite the fact that people disappoint us. Their goal is we're gonna follow Jesus, we're gonna live with others in mind, and when we do, we are blessed. Those around us are blessed, and God is honored. Listen to what it says in James. James says this, he says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says, not hearing and then forgetting, but hearing and doing, then you will be blessed. Then you will be blessed. So that's our challenge. How can I follow Jesus despite the circumstances? How can I follow Jesus despite the people around me? Well, number one, we have to rely on him him more and on ourselves less. Number one, rely on him more, rely on ourselves and others less. I try to make it as simple as possible. It's not easy, but I try to make it as simple as possible to become the mature follower who follows Jesus despite those circumstances around us and despite the people around us not filling us up, treating us the way we want them to treat us. We have to rely on him more and ourselves and others less. We have to expect more from him. We have to let him be their greatest resource the spring of living water because he always has something to give. He always has something to fill us up. If we're relying on our circumstances and those around us to fill us up, we're gonna be empty and dry, a cloud without rain. Who here gets filled up from the culture that they're in? Who here gets filled up from the society that we live in? Who here always gets treated the way that they want, always gets loved and helped and gets the compassion, has every situation go their way? If we rely on those things, if we rely on other people, we're gonna be empty and dry like a tree without fruit or a cloud without rain. We have to rely on him, the source of living water, the spring that never goes dry, if we're ever gonna wanna have the strength, the love, the encouragement that we need to be able to share with others. Otherwise, we're like the blind leading the blind. We have to rely on him so that we can have something to offer. And then secondly, we just simply need to repent. Jesus used this word a lot in the Gospel of Luke. He said, I want you to repent of your sin. And that's something that as Christians, we should be doing on a regular basis. God, I recognize that I am immature. I recognize my selfishness. I recognize my tendency to expect things from other people that they just can't provide because they're human just like me. I repent of it. I wanna turn from it. I wanna turn from that my expectations and my reliance on the world and reliance on other people in this situation and I wanna turn and follow you and your example despite any situation because you take away every excuse that I have. I can follow you because you are good regardless of the circumstances and situations around me. And when we can't, we have to repent and say, God, my immaturity is getting in the way. My selfishness is getting in the way. I am getting in the way of being able to follow you. So I need to repent I need to humble myself and intentionally choose to follow you no matter what. We have to rely on him more 
and ourselves and others less. And we have to repent so that we can be like Jesus and live with others in mind. The difficulty is relying on him more sometimes feels lonely. Corey Tenboom, who was a Holocaust survivor, she said this. She said, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Sometimes Jesus allows us to go through situations where we realize that he's all I have. Everything else has failed me. Everyone else has disappointed me. He's all I have. And he said, that's the way I wanted it from the very beginning. Whether your life is great or you're struggling, I want you to follow me. Whether the people around you are loving you or are cursing you, I want you to follow me. I want you to rely on me because I have everything you need to do what I've called you to do. And then we have to repent. We have to acknowledge our tendency to be selfish, our tendency to be immature, and a big one, our tendency to make excuses. Some of us are pretty good at making excuses for our behavior. We allow others or the situation to dictate our behavior and then we make an excuse and feel justified. The Gospel of Luke, Jesus doesn't give us any justification for our sinful behavior. He says, I've given you everything you need to follow me. Trust me. Continue to be patient. Continue to be kind. Continue to be loving because I am. So we need to follow Jesus. We need to live with other people's best interest in mind, but we can't do it in our own strength. We're gonna get tired. We're gonna get weary. We're gonna be a cloud without rain unless we trust him, unless we rely on him to fill us up. Amen? Let's pray. God, we know we can trust you because you are good no matter what anyone says. You are faithful. Your promises are true. So you promise to take care of us. You promise to see us through any situation. You promise to fill us up, not just for ourselves, but so that we have something to pour out. So God, we recognize that you are faithful, that we can trust you, and we repent of our immaturity, of our selfishness, of our excuses. No more excuses. God, we want to rely on you We want to look to you. You're our model. You're our example. Not those around us. We're not going to be swayed because of our situation. You alone are our rock. You provide us rest, strength. You're our salvation. And because of that, we can persevere. We can follow you and we can live with others' best interest in mind. Thank you for filling us up today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.